0: Hi, and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators, home to NARC Troopers. If you enjoy today's podcast or want to find other resources, please check out my website, narctroopers.com. Today, I am giddy. I am beside myself. I am tickled pink because I have one of my favorite people in the whole world here with me. And I don't know what I did to get the karma to get him to join me today, but he is here. Yes. And, um, it is the wonderful, brilliant Robert Torbay. Now for those,
1: nice, yes,
0: you. yes. <laughs> and so thank you so much <laughs> for being, for joining me today. I, uh,
1: I think it was, your, it was your persistence. It was your persistence. Well, That's what I'm, I'm,
0: you. I am a rabid fan. If you lived closer, I might be a groupie and, and have to send you cookies or something, you know, to, oh, to okay. show my appreciation or, or, or something like that, because I have learned uh, so much from you. And I, I, I like to think that I'm a writer. And that I have sort of writer's chops that a lot of people that you see on, on uh, Quora and Facebook and medium and different platforms, you can tell they're uh-huh. not writers. Um, but you have the, the gift of the pen so that when you try to find your words, they just flow out so beautifully. And I, as a fellow writer, Um, just really respect that a great deal. So um, let me just say Robert Torbay is one of the biggest, most um, prolific writers on the Quora platform. And there are quite a few people who think that Quora is the end all of everything when it comes to narcissistic abuse and narcissistic abuse recovery, because there's so many people who have something to say about that on there. And the reason that Mr. Torbay is such an excellent first choice, popular go-to person is because he's one of the ones that not only is a good writer, but he has insight and knowledge about this topic that is rare to see. So let's begin. And I'm going to hand you the mic. And I think my first question, my first burning question that I would like to ask is um, when you write about narcissistic abuse and recovery from it and and you um, share the things that you do, do you have an intention or um a goal of what you think your mission is in writing this uh, this material?
1: I tend to get um, sort of interested in a theme and then I will often just kind of, you know, keep going on that theme until I've exhausted it. So um, it's kind of like, I feel like if I externalize what I'm thinking, I've got a better chance of being able to see it and understand it. Um, whereas if it stays inside myself, it's very murky. If I can put it out there, it just gives me an opportunity to understand it and maybe, you know, I might get some uh, feedback from others and I might think, yeah, maybe I'm on the right path here, but um, what's my purpose? I don't know, I guess. It's just perhaps I have obsessive-compulsive disorder and I just (laughs) like to, you know, I get get hooked on a thing and so I'm just going to do it until I exhaust it. Um, that's probably about as close as I could so, get to my creative process.
0: um, I guess what, what I'm wondering is how do you know so much about this subject?
1: Um, I suppose I would, I, I just imagine that I'm a, I'm in a cluster B family. I could be wrong. Perhaps I just have a very good imagination. I'm not sure. Or an imagination that resonates. Um, it's just, yeah, I, I can't really, I, I don't know why th- that it resonates with other people. I'm glad it does. Um, yeah, I, d- I don't know. I don't I don't know why. I, I just assume that I am probably from somewhat of a cluster B family. Uh, I guess that would be um, the reason why I'm interested in this topic. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. And, you know, I've always found myself attracted to the, know the charming and the psychopathic and the you know yeah the charming the daring the brave the foolhardy
0: yes i um i think that is the pattern and and that is how we fall into that is that it comes from where we came from and if we uh revisit our early uh formative years some toxic scripting or faulty programming took place that sort of hardwired us to need that very intense Um, um, connection with another person and let's just face it you know relationships with healthy neurotypical normal people are are very vanilla and bland for people who um, have uh, whatever it is that some of us have after coming out of families like this it it just falls short and it's it's almost as if we um have a thirst for that exceptionally over the top kind of um, um of of uh disordered person only they can bring it i i find that to be one of the most disturbing things about this whole thing it, it's not as if we're Just victims. And I know you write about about that a lot, too, that that we need as people who have been in these relationships, we need to empower ourselves and take control and and just do what we need to do and not just wallow in the whole victimhood thing.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't see the point of being a victim. I don't talk about my narcissist or my narcissist X or you know they don't belong to me. I don't belong to them. It didn't. You know, I mean, was it a relationship? I don't know. It was what it was. Um, yeah, I, I just don't feel that one ought to make these people so significant in your life by by saying they're my narcissist or my. It's, I just find that kind of familiarity or that closeness disturbing. I, you know, it's like, you know, it's like someone talking about my gonorrhea or my <laughs> syphilis. And I've, I've just had the most interesting discharge and let me tell you about it. I just don't want to know if that's the relationship you have with it. It's a disease, it's a pathology, and it should be treated as such. Um, and so I aim to perhaps offer some techniques and tools that have worked for me so far um, that can be used to manage such people, as I feel you can only ever manage them. You never get anywhere, really.
0: This is true. And I like what you say about treating it as if it's a disease and not something that you own, but something that has infected you, perhaps, that you have to purge out of yourself, you know, or something, you know, that you have to heal from it and detox from it and get it out. And and I've noticed that in your writings, when you refer to the narcissist, you use uh, the pronoun our narcissist instead of yeah. my narcissist, which uh, drives that point oh, home.
1: No. I'll snatch your narcissist from you. I'll take your narcissist from you. They don't belong to you. I'm going to take them. I'll take them. Don't worry about that.
0: Exactly. Because, you know, they belong to no one ever.
1: They belong to the, the highest bidder gets them. It's an eternal auction. Yeah. So, you know, you, you just got to keep upping the bid. There's never, the gavel never comes down. There's just someone who's ahead at the time, you know?
0: I think that's a keen insight because, um, I, for one, have noticed that every transaction with them is transactional. It's give and take. What do I get out of this?
1: Uh, Well, I mean, to be honest, someone like the word transactional, I feel, has been dirtied. Like, I I see nothing wrong with transactions. I I feel that's the best way to run one's life. Like, if I give you something, you would give me something. Otherwise, there's going to be resentment built up. Um, A narcissist does an unfair transaction in which you think you're getting something. But you get something else. Or I guess you could argue that deep down you have subconscious drives, which I, I would buy. So you could argue that you really do want to be abused. And that's what it's about. It's about digging into that. So I would buy that as a transaction. But I just feel the word has been slightly sullied. That's just my opinion about it. Well, I think.
0: I, I so, can understand uh, I, that.
1: I think are conditional love is where it's at, I think. You know, if you're going to abuse me, that's it, it's over. You know, I think it's good to get. You know, being Robert Torbay a little bit, a uh, little bit contrarian here, but um, <laughs> you know, I think it's actually good to have a transactional relationship. Like, you know, you got to pull your weight; otherwise, it's not going to work out. You know oh, what I mean? Like, if, I, if one I, of I you, do. is, is, you don't want a one-way
0: street where one person is the giver and the exactly. other person is the taker.
1: Yeah. Which I wouldn't call that a transaction. That's theft or <laughs> slavery. You know what I mean? So,
0: yeah.
1: Um, I've heard that word transactional, but I always encourage people to just challenge the words that you hear. You know, everyone buys at lock, stock and and, and barrel. You know, they they adapt or they adopt rather all this terminology. And I think if you just go by your own common sense, you can cut through some of that crap. And the narcissist goes from being this alien creature to that kid at school who was kind of a cry bully, that sort of, you know, the, the, the kid that was, you know, you can kind of see who they are or that sibling who acted like the real cool one in front of everyone else, but you knew at home what they were like. And if anyone touched their hair gel, they'd have a tantrum. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think yes. if we humanize it, we have a better chance of grasping what's going on. That's my personal feeling on it.
0: Um, I think that a lot of people demonize narcissists and vilify them and make them into some huge Larger than life villain.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yes.
0: When in fact, oh, they're a
1: villain. They're a villain. I definitely think they're a villain. They're just a minor villain, like the, you know, the the buffoon and the henchman. You know, the idiot henchman is kind of, or, or the the jail guard. You know what I mean? The stupid, the stupid guard that's got the hero trapped in the jail. They're just like a minor villain. I definitely do see them as something demonic and villainous, though, just kind of low grade. So
0: because yeah. um Not can you expand experience. that a little bit more what do you mean by that
1: well i mean what they do is wrong and evil mm-hmm. and cannot be justified there's no justification for it i don't see any justification for what they do but as you say you know it's kind of like um louis pasteur once said so tangential here perhaps but louis pasteur once uh, on his deathbed he agreed that it wasn't the virus that kills it's the terrain So you look at someone with HIV, for example, or full-blown AIDS who has no immune system, they're going to be killed by the common cold. Whereas someone with a vigorous immune system, they might get sick, they might not. So in the same way, I see the narcissist. If you are very strong and you're about your business, you will just brush them off, or you will dodge them, or you will uh, say, look over there, and then you will dash, or you will flatter them. And, you know, I see them as minor henchmen.
0: I see. I I think that um, I like to think about it in these terms that if they are so um, damaged, broken, mentally not um, unwell, you know, they're not well, that, you know, with no. all these things that are wrong with them, I think, do they have free will to be able to choose to be the bad guy or evil? Yes. Clearly, they do evil things, but are they intrinsically evil i also think that mentally ill people can draw sort of demonic forces to them like a magnet because what better host for some little demon-y thing to camp out in in the body of a narcissist who is uh totally self-indulgent and all about himself and you know that does seem like a, a good place to to um come in and take over or something but but here's a question for you if someone is is mentally incapable of managing themselves if they're just they just mm. don't get it they're living in an alternate reality they're delusional they have magical thinking they're just um you know cuckoo for cocoa puffs can you oh. hold them responsible for the evil they do
1: or yes you must. You, oh, must. you must, you must. I mean, it's a bit like, um, I'll, I'll use an analogy I've already made before, but it's a bit like you have a driver and they've, they've now they've, they've run over 20 people in their life or more They've had 20 accidents involving people. And there's always an excuse. And it's a pathetic excuse. You know, oh, I I didn't see them. Or what was that pregnant lady doing pushing her pram straight at me? Or my driving instructor never told me how to avoid groups of school children when I was drunk. You know, it's just like they do what they do. Whether or not they are morally ill or morally not ill, what they do is aggressive and dangerous. And I would like to say, though, that a narcissist will kill you. Sure, if you're weak enough, they will grind you down a narcissist will look for people who are suicidal and, and attempt to date them. I mean, these people will kill you if you are weak. I would like to say that, but yeah, sure. They can, they can grind you to nothing and slowly kill you. Just yes. really slowly kill you. And they will, if you're weak. So I think that really it depends on one's own strength and one's own power as to how much damage they will do to you. But I, I believe they could destroy you and enjoy it because that's what they are. Um, I was looking at some research about uh, how their brain works and how the self esteem part or one's thoughts about oneself in the reward center are not connected. So it doesn't matter if they say, Hey, you're all right. Or Hey, look, you're doing great things to themselves. It's not going to make them feel any better.
0: Mm-hmm. So they have
1: to go and do what they do. Um, is there free will? Is there not free will? I don't know. They say that it is the um personality disorder with the highest genetic component. So it's quite possible they're just born with maybe for all we know it could be entirely uh genetic. I I have no idea, but they're just born with underdeveloped empathy. It just doesn't fire. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it's a lot harder for them to empathize. I, I don't really know. And I think that whether or not it's free will, you know, um, yeah, it's a bit like a, a rabid dog. It's going to bite you. You just have to act accordingly around the narcissist. Leave questions of free will up to them. And and you have to actually, you have to be prepared to stand on their little fingers at times and just hurt them a little bit. You know, you just got to be a little bit a little bit hurty sometimes. I think that's it. You know, you just kind of snob them a little bit or grandstand a little bit you know you just put a little bit of pain on them when they're when they're messing with you you can't treat them compassionately unfortunately I don't think so I think it's a kind of tough love
0: yes so I agree with that. I'm not
1: quite sure if that answers the free will question but it's kind of like it's a it's a wild animal you know it's like a feral cat just be careful
0: you a know predator. never trust it
1: mm-hmm. you know never trust it don't afford it um the things you would afford normal people so whether or not it's free will, or you know whether they are a different race, or you know you could there's, you could say they are you know a different species within a species. I really don't know, and that's not my lookout. My lookout is how do you deal with these creatures? How do you deal with them? Yes. What do you do when you encounter one? Well, you that's can't, what's important. You
0: can't take it personally. I know that because it isn't personal. It isn't about you. Um, they just need to feed like the predators that they Ah. are. And um,
1: so Uh, that's what animals do. If a wild dog comes at me, I will take it personally and that I will kill it. You know what I mean? I'm not saying kill your narcissist. That's really not what I'm saying. I (laughs) never suggest that. Um, (laughs) What I'm saying though is you take countermeasures and you take countermeasures until the threat has gone. You don't need to overstate it, but you know, is it personal? Is it not personal? It feels personal because they're going for your gizzards and your guts and they want to tear your heart out and they want to destroy you. They want to find out what you love and destroy it. So, I mean, is it personal? Would they do it to someone else? Yeah, they're going to do it to everyone else. It's going to feel personal and whether or not you take it personally, again, I think it's up to you. But you have to manage them. You know, well, you just have to manage them. Don't let them get the leg over
0: what you said about them being um, lethal and deadly is very true that a lot lot of people don't realize this. They use the term so freely to describe anyone and everyone. Oh, he's a narcissist. She's a narcissist. Mm -hmm. But, and, and these people most often are not narcissists. They're just not nice people, Mm -hmm. but the true narcissist, I, you know, in in the last three years since Mm -hmm. I had my, um, I was discarded at that that time, three years ago. I have been in support groups with people who did commit suicide, two of them, Um, two different ones. And I also had other people in the group who would sit down and say, it's kind of like going to AA or NA or GA or one of those Alcoholics Anonymous kind of meetings. And, you you know, hello, my name is Lily. Uh, I've had this happen to me. And some of the people in the group have been struggling and stuck with PTSD, panic disorder, anxiety attacks, just being completely neurochemically dysregulated, adrenal fatigue. They've just completely collapsed and crumbled and can't function as normal people. And they've been this way for some of them. I was shocked. It was like, eight years, nine years, 10 years, 11 wow. years ago, 12 years ago, mm. I thought, good grief. Is that going to happen to me? Am I going to still be struggling to, to recover from this for the next 10 years? Cause that's horrifying, right? To give up that much of your life I, to try to get I, over I one of so. these people.
1: I I think so, and I think a lot of the problem is people. Maybe it is, you know, they attribute a lot of things to the narcissist which are not there. Um, if you could see them for what they are, this kind of skeletal creature that that um, you know has a flesh suit, but inside is ravenous. I think, yeah. I suppose I suppose it's like you know, it is personal, and it's not. I mean, they go for whatever you care about, so I, that feels personal. Um, you know. I suppose the thing about me is I have a level of aggression inside me and I just won't allow anybody to do that to me. I won't, I just won't do it. I'm just not going to allow somebody to become the focus of my life because I just won't. I'm not going to do that. Um, so I, when I have had, you know, relationships with narcissists, the romantic ones have never lasted very long at all. The friendships have lasted a lot longer because I was a lot younger and I didn't know what, you know, I didn't understand. Um, But now I have this level of aggression, and I think that's crucial. You've got to get a little bit angry. Again, you know, people take what I say the wrong way, like I'm saying, you know, shoot your narcissist. Um, (laughs) That's not the answer. There's too many of them, and you'll go to jail, and you'll meet creatures that are far worse than narcissists. So, again, deal with them. Learn how to deal with them. Learn how they work. Don't worry too much about trying to change them. Again, trying to heal them is a dead-end street. You're not Otto Kernberg. Leave it alone. You know what I mean? Like, that's a man who's dedicated his life to it. I don't know what his success rate was. Maybe it's 10%, 5%. It doesn't sound like it's great from what he said. Like, it's a real, you know, it's a real, yeah, it's really hard to get anywhere with them. So you, as a person with post-traumatic stress disorder, are certainly not equipped. You are the last person. You know, you are like a steak sandwich trying to heal a pit bull. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. It's, you're going to pain for a little while. So I guess with me, I have a level of anger, and also I have a religious aspect to myself. So that's what I attach to, not people. I attach to a religious code. I mean, I'm allowed to, and so are you, and everyone's entitled to do that. And I would suggest that you attach to a spiritual code something involving the natural world and the beauty of nature and that you move out of the human world because if you remain in the human world and you think okay you know I didn't win this round but I'll put the coin in the slot machine again and I'll do a little jig this time and that's gonna work you know what I mean I think the answer is not to be found in the human world it's not to keep going on about relationships and. I'm very adverse to even the word healing, and an inner child, don't talk to me about that. It doesn't exist. You know, <laughs> should You know, there should be an inner adult in there somewhere. That's what we need to find, is the inner adult who says, that's just silly. We're not playing with that person, or, you know what I mean? The inner adult says, I, no, that's bullshit. I think bullshit the, the thing
0: that you have and in breaks, common, yeah. Yeah. The thing that you have in common with so many mental health professionals and therapists, and even my personal guru that that um, I love very much is Dr. Sam Vaknin. I, I oh, I
1: yeah. oh I, I'm big up to Sam. Do you do you know big him? Up? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I devoured his work when I, <laughs> you know,
0: I <laughs> started off
1: with you know toxic relationship, and then it came on to something called an empath. I thought, oh, maybe I'm an empath. That sounds cool. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, I, I sort of hit, a, hit Sam Veknin. He's Jewish. I've got a lot of love for the Jews, especially um, a midrash. I believe that's the correct word, where, where you take something and you create a story from it. So you, I think, you know, I've got a lot of respect for Sam. I don't agree with some things. That's cool. But, yeah. And, and so what does Sam Veknin say? What, sorry, he says I, I said, that all, all, you-
0: all of us um, need to be... Complete, whole, and functioning individuals mm-hmm. with ourselves, by ourselves, for ourselves, within ourselves, outside ourselves, just ourselves. We should not be mm-hmm. um, depending on anyone else to complete us, to to validate us to, for any of that. That we need to be able to be completely self. Um, I guess we could fill in the blank self. Um, self-validating self-affirming and so that we find through ourselves and through um perhaps something greater than ourselves some direction some meaning or purpose that has nothing to do with other people which is
1: kind of cool yeah i like that yeah yeah i I definitely think uh there's an expression um in maori which is the um they are the indigenous people of this country and they say without a vision, the people perish. And I really think if you don't have a vision, you're not going to escape the narcissist because if your life is about romance, if your life is a hundred percent about romance and love and finding somebody, I think you're going to drown. Um, that's kind of my feeling about that. Um, I feel that you've got to have something else that, that drives you. It's just, you know, um, so when i'm by myself what do i do um you know i'm a crazy person this is how i see it this is really how i see it i'm a sketchy erratic odd crazy person and that's fine probably i'll always be like this i kind of always have been like this but it's better if i spend time alone because i fight with people and i get the idea <laughs> i meet people that are not suitable it's better if i'm by myself what am i going to do to entertain myself I'm going to build things, I'm going to learn things, um, I'm going to write. Um, So it's kind of like, I'm going to find activities that are good for me. I'm going to find healthy things to do to entertain myself and channel myself. Like, you know, I sort of wonder about healing. You know, maybe there's no healing. What if we can say there is no healing? You will not heal. You were born like this. Worst case scenario, it's genetic. Um... And maybe you've just got to face the right way. Like use what you are in the best way that you can. So if you're an odd, weird person, go for it. What can you do with that? Take yourself, you know, to some extent away from people. And a dirty word, psychopathy, become a little bit psychopathic about it, a little bit one-minded, a bit obsessed, a bit, you know, over-focused, a bit, you know, that's how I did the Quora. Just I became obsessed. I was just gonna I was just gonna find the answer. I'm just gonna plow into it, you know, nearly three years now, five answers a day. I'm gonna get, you know, I'm just gonna get good at it.
0: And you um, have. I haven't read your early work, but I know that what the content trash, that you create now
1: trash. <laughs> two words.
0: Let Why does it answer do this?
1: Yeah. Who cares? You know what I mean. Like, what is what is a narcissist, Blah blah. Narcissist dicks. I mean, there's plenty of core writers who are still like that, and I began like that.
0: Yes, I, I this transformation you have through your obsession honed your craft, and so that now it is beautiful writing that says something meaningful. Um, and it's and it's just as great. Your message is great. But the way that you craft it is where the beauty lies with that. That, like I said initially, as a writer, I see that and think, wow, you know, he should write a book. He's got a way with words. Oh, my gosh, he's better than me. <laughs> you know, wow, he's fantabulous. What, who is this guy? I want to know more about him. And so that's what I think every time I I read your work. Um, so, I mean, it's paid off what you've done. And so, um, I would like to ask you now, kind of like what you're thinking. Um, I have two questions before we wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, one has to do with, you know, the world is, um, in disarray, unraveling, wow. burning to the ground all around us. And it seems like there are more mentally ill people now, not just narcissists, but psychopaths, sociopaths, borderline, manic depressive, schizophrenic, um, just, you know, nuts.
1: Aggressive. There's more aggression.
0: Yes. Um, let uh, give me Covert one
1: and overt, aggression. Covert right. and overt
0: aggression i would like to would know call. that that's one question is what do you think is going on there and what can we do about it and the second question is what will be your next ventures your next ventures um those two things let me uh start a new reel give me two seconds Okay, we're back. Uh, can you address the first one? What's going on in the world and what what to do about this? There's so many people that seem just uh, unhinged. What's wrong with them?
1: I think what's happened is there's been a cult of science that has supplanted you know traditional rel- beliefs, which not all of them were good. Not all of them were good. Um, I think that um, probably we're comparing... Now, to some kind of golden period, or maybe we're looking back, you know, at a more stable and comfortable period, I would say the American empire was very strong. And I would say now the American empire is losing its power. You know, religion has been kind of softened um, uh, or just kind of pushed to the side. And science is the religion. Uh, But it is failing us now. Uh, The religion we made with our hands is now failing us. It's not working. Um, We're sort of quite separated from the natural world and we become very impatient. We're not used to seasons and the rhythms and just how nature doesn't care about you and it has rules and you obey the rules and you live. You know, like animals do. You obey the rules. Nature has rules. We have tried to bend these rules perhaps a little much. And I think part of it is there's a blowback. And I think we have also tried to attack the the animalistic or the whatever side of humans. And now there's a blowback from that. So it's kind of like it's the end of an era or an era. Um, And so now we are, yeah, things are starting. The wheels are coming off. The wheels are just starting to come off. And, you know, if you go back in time, so, if you go back to England in the 15th century, the crime rate there was about 10 to 15 times what it is now. So, you know, we are looking at things from a position of, I would say, the high tide of human comfort. You know, we have experienced what I think is the high tide mark of human comfort and ease, and it's all downhill from here. Mm-hmm. We're going back to the past. That's my feeling. So, probably human beings in the past were a lot more borderline or, you know, life would just look traumatic you just never knew when you know imagine being a medieval peasant you just didn't know when some you know you're an english peasant you don't know when the French are going to come over and butcher you it was you a, the a the ground, yes it, it was
0: savage and barbarian and and so yeah. everybody had to be um you know built that way
1: yeah uh, uh, you know a neurotypical i think is a product of its time i think that our empathy you know, the empathy of a neurotypical is too much and, and people are empathising, you know, I don't know. I'm not saying don't save the whales, but, you know, I mean, now it's everything, you know, there's too much empathy. And I think that too much empathy becomes poisonous because, you know, I don't know. It just seems like a strange world that there's all this empathy and, and the, the empathy has become so much now. I think that now there's empathy for evil. And that's what we've done. We've now we've now people have, you know, large, engorged sort of hyper what's the word? Is it hypertrophy when it when it's far too large? Like yes. there's too much empathy now. There's just too much empathy. And so um yeah, I think people will look back in the future and say, Wow, what interesting brains they had those um in that time. Like I think neurotypical isn't typical historically speaking. So I think, yeah, we, you know, we can't, we're, we're coming out of the period of comfort and we're returning back to a more animalistic lifestyle. Um, and or, or, you know, where we've just got to focus a little more on survival and that's going to make people more aggressive. I guess also you have, you know, you have all the kind of bullshit that's kind of having its last gasp. Um, you know, people obsessed with their images and there's a lot of that going on. So... I guess that's the last kind of, you know, that's the kind of um, extinction burst of the science cult. Yes. The worship of humanity and our power. So that's kind of what we're seeing is like everything kind of, you know, we're seeing like the tantrum. And then I think we will descend into a much more brutal, like, you know, we'll descend into a much more brutal way of life.
0: So where where that's does the of, cluster B person live in this new, uh, more, um, you know, a survivalist type of landscape where the time is spent, not, uh, you know, appearances and all of that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And, you know, wh- where is that person going to, to, are they going to thrive in that or are they going to disappear and be
1: I imagine this is my theory that, you know, everything is my theory or the, I, I like to throw a bit of, um, you know, everything I do is my theory. I throw a bit of research and some life experience. I write cluster B fan fiction and I you know it's built up there. People who get angry with me, cluster <laughs> B fan fiction, but saying that, I think the cluster B will do quite well. Maybe not so much the narcissist. I'm not sure how they'll do. I'm sure they'll find a way to toady you know, to, toady, to, to, to buddy up to somebody, kiss some ass and get some, you know, some things. But I think that if you are prepared to, as cluster B are, to go further, to be more extreme, to risk, you know, maybe cluster B we act out because we are built for survival and the world is no longer, you know, in the Western world, it's no longer really about survival. So we, we seek out, you know, maybe, perhaps this is a little bit tangential, maybe our cluster b families punished us because they didn't really feel this was real you know they're just trying to keep it real with us that's one that's one thing it's certainly that comes one to way mind.
0: to think about that it's i've not heard you know that theory that's, about, that
1: they're doing us a favor think about, think about our fearlessness you know the fearlessness of the borderline or the psychopath you know one thing about cluster B perhaps is the obsession and the, and the, the kind of um, how we lock onto things and nothing else matters. Think of what the narcissist does. They're just the crazy shit they do and they don't care. They just don't care. All the borderline, you know, the crazy shit the borderline does. They don't care. They want to do what they want to do. And, this, you know, so I think that perhaps we are more suited to survival. I, I could be, you know, guessing. You know, I could be just fooling myself here. I mean, time will tell. But I feel that those of us who already live in a a crazy world that's unstable, maybe we're gonna we're gonna go. Hey, this is kind of this kind of feels like home here. <laughs> Why do we seek out such crazy environments? What is it in us that goes? That person looks really nice, and their mom and dad have got a nice job, and everyone says nice stuff to each other fuck that i'm off down the road that person's exciting and, and flashy and kind of abusive let's have some fun together you know the, you know they you know uh, i don't know maybe we'll do well uh, time will tell time will tell maybe maybe in the past post-traumatic stress disorder was just the order of the day i don't know and and, and, and probably we we clung to a god for all our life with all our heart and all our soul because there was no government to look after us. You know, there were no social services. There was hellfire and there was the enemy and there were witches and demons and we just clung to our religion. And that's what we did. And, and we didn't want our God to abandon us. So I have, an heard, people,
0: I have heard people say that, um, you know, the The loss of belief in systems is what is making it where, as a human race, uh, for the first time in history, we are in deep trouble. Because regardless of throughout history, whatever tumultuous thing we were facing, whatever horrible thing happened, systems were in place. There was religion. There were families there were the things you know that people could turn to for strength and for anchors to steady them and now all of these institutions no longer exist each person is really you know on their own
1: i mean maybe they exist but they've kind of been hollowed out by various cluster b miscreants yes and perverted for their own use um You know, maybe a long time ago, and I'm not going to name names, maybe a long time ago, people made medical products that would take 15 years to make because they're very dangerous, right? They would take 15 years because they're Mm -hmm. so dangerous. If you do it wrong, you kill a bunch of people. But nowadays, no, 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 we don't need to worry about that. We don't need to do things like that. We can do what we want. We're going to do it in one year. So I feel that the systems themselves have been hollowed out. And a lot, of, a lot of stuff that used to work has been thrown away because we are better. We're better than our ancestors, those stupid old fuddy-duddies. Stitch and Time Saves Nine. No, it doesn't. Um, you know what I mean? Like, we've thrown away. Um, um, Rudyard Kipling has this fantastic poem called The Gods of the Copybook Headings. And a copybook was basically a tofa that children would use it to practice their handwriting but they would also as the word inculate moral lessons and so they would write all these things you know they would write a stitch in time saves nine and they would do it in cursive script and that's how they would practice their handwriting
0: mm-hmm.
1: hundreds and of it's times. just the ah yes that's right that's right so not so not only would they learn moral lessons which um, uh, perhaps just observations, perhaps there's no morality, but observation, perhaps nature is morality. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's the most beautiful poem, and even back then, he saw what was going to happen. He observed what was going to happen. Um, I'm sorry I've lost my point. No, <laughs> I that, do that.
0: It, is a, it is a profound point that the future is most likely going to revert to the past and that the paradigms will shift and all of the things that matter the most to people now will be moot Uh points that are just going to be left in the dust like images and and instagram and you know oh
1: um, god you know isn't it interesting you know the bible tells us not to worship idols and mm -hmm. yet or images, you know, graven images. And yet now it's all about images. It's just we've become, there has become a proliferation of images and we worship these images, you know, even so far as we have pictures in our mind of the narcissist and the wonderful time we had at that time and we worship that image. So maybe to go back a little bit, maybe the reason, another reason that these things have been happening is that we are image worshipers
0: now. Mm-hmm. I think you know, so. We,
1: we worship images with no, no it, substance. It
0: seems like those things uh, will pass. It, it is something that um, that must pass as as our systems continue to fail. Our education system, our healthcare system, mm. our economy mm. system. As these things one by one fail, then corporations can't. The, you know, that that's going to be a shift. The whole capitalistic uh, agenda will have to be a shift. And what we have at the end of this, further down the road after war and climate change and food insecurity and, you know, all the things that are coming wow. will probably look quite different. And uh, I have often wondered how will all of the people who are mentally ill factor into this new world it seems there's more and more of them so are we going to be in trouble because they're going to be running everything or
1: or i've i've written a little thing i call the wasteland i did a little um little project back there and i think that we assume there's going to be a gradual transition if things get bad we're going to gradually figure things out but i would like to throw into the mix the fact that we now have the most or or the least able to survive cohort of human beings are inhabiting this planet right now. I would much rather experience crisis with people who lived a hundred years ago. They would know what to do. They would know exactly what to do. It would just be another day. But now we have a whole lot of people who live, um, entirely based on somebody driving the food from the port to the supermarket and doing it on time. And all these things—it's very tenuous. We're living in a very tenuous situation, where if things were to go wrong, it would be unlike anything we have ever seen before. Because we are going we're to helpless.
0: have. Helpless.
1: We're helpless. Yes. Yes. And, and then we're going to have a lot of frightened people, and frightened people are very dangerous. Yeah. Very, very dangerous. Much like trying to save the drowning person, they're just going to pull you down. You know, there's going to be panicked people. I feel that us mentally ill people, it's like another day at the office. You know what I mean? It's just another I day do. At the I oh, do think that era. the.
0: I think that the narcissist, psychopath, sociopath have this fearless quality and this delusional reality that will allow mm. them to survive in ways that other people will not. They will crumble. Oh. They will be frightened. They, you know, and the borderline, yes
1: big props to the borderline yes. um there's a bit of research out there showing that it's not the primary psychopath who is fearless it's the secondary psychopath it's the anxious psychopath
0: yes i wrote an so, article not that long ago that said when all of this is said and done the only ones that will survive will be the cluster b and cockroaches
1: <laughs> yeah i i i think so i think that that fearlessness of you know the cluster b fearlessness if pointed in the right way um is really something that's going to get us through those those of you know i don't know if i'm a borderline i just kind of feel an affinity to it perhaps to the more masculine form perhaps um uh, sam veckman did a really good video on uh covert and overt borderline so there's a more masculine form um sorry don't let me go on too long now i'm getting my rant on um so do to well, you know i get my rant on and but, you know before you
0: get your rant on and i i want to want to say I mean, uh, I'm this, I'm is, on. On. this has been such a great conversation i would like to do a second installment and have another interview here okay. uh okay. In, a, in a while good. but i i want to end with this um we have about five minutes and uh i would like for you to share with us some ideas projects um things that you would like to do or see happen or complete or work on or uh, your passion projects, just some of kind of what interests you that uh, keeps you busy and keeps you sane right now with Uh everything happening the way it is. Uh, What what are you, what are you up to?
1: Um, well, at the moment, here in New Zealand, it's spring. Well, no, okay, it's not quite spring, but it's kind of it, it, looking like we might have an early spring. So, being someone apocalypse-minded and, and unabashed about that, I am putting in a garden. I've got about an eighth of an acre, which I intend to plant up. It's, it's not particularly good soil, so I'm going to have to work on that. Um, uh, what else? Um, in terms of uh, quora... I'm starting a new project. I just called the restaurant at the end of the universe. Um, I was hoping to kind of just to be a showcase of the people of Quora, the people I've interacted with, and I think um, I was inspired by this um, comedian Theo Vaughn, who did a series of interviews of just you know kind of kind of everyday people, but kind of interesting everyday people, truckers and all sorts of all sorts of jobs, um, which I kind of thought was cool. Um, I mean, I will interview, I wouldn't mind interviewing Sophia Bell, if she's got the time, she, if she can put down, you know, if she'd get off the beach, put down the bloody cocktails, maybe <laughs> give us a ring. Um, and, and Mac Davidson, I've got a lot of respect for Mac. Um, I suggest people read him too, fantastic, and, and some others. But, yeah, I just want to, yeah, I mean, we'll see how we go. I just want to get people's opinions, because I feel that everyone's got something to say and if we go the road less travel, we might get stuff that's more interesting. So that's a kind of, um, an idea I had. Uh, I just want to talk to some people that I've talked to on Quora and just kind of explore their experiences and how they've seen narcissism. You know, I, I not so much my narcissist quote unquote, mm-hmm. but just, you know, what have you learned from this experience, um, of narcissism? um they're kind of all the same i kind of think they're just in different bodies they're all the same person in a different body and they make do with what they've been given but it's the same kind of modus operandi don't think they're particularly interesting in and of themselves
0: right and uh, I think humor-
1: a- humorous anecdote is probably the best thing to use a narcissist for <laughs> yes. humorous anecdote
0: i think that it has a lot to do with what stage of of uh that you're in after you have been tangled up with this, whether it was a parent or or a partner Mm. and whether you're freshly out of it and standing there trying Mm. to figure out what the hell just happened to you or whether you know what it is and you've been living with the, with the knowledge of it for a while. And you're still trying to make sense of what that's going to look like in your future. I mean, I think that that has more to do with it because people know what, what their experience is, but they're not ready to, to put that together and make sense of it. Um, I, I think it's a long process. I don't think it's something we come to, um, quickly. Right.
1: Um, I mean perhaps we just have different dispositions and so all of us need to strengthen or just be wary of our weaknesses, which might be all different. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, so some people may end up in a narcissistic relationship for longer And that's what that is. But other people may not be in relationships with anyone, yet they may do uh, dangerous things. Or they may be in relationships that are not romantic, but they're still doing dangerous things, things that are not to their long-term benefit. So, you know, I feel that, yeah, so it's different for everyone. Some people end up in long-term relationships, and I haven't so far, but I've had some long-term friendships with people, I feel, um, you know, could have been uh, like that. And yeah, we're all in different places, and we do the best we can. Um, we just maybe we just have different temperaments, and so you know, some of us need to do different things to to protect ourselves. I think you know, protect ourselves, and then get on with our life um, as best we can.
0: Yes, and, and I think do the things a, that we love. a collaborative effort to come together and and be collegial and collaborative and share can strengthen us. I think that. Uh, like we spoke of earlier, it's important to mm-hmm. be alone and be okay with being alone. Yeah. But yep. there is strength in numbers and, and opening up someone else's <laughs> like, thoughts and digging around.
1: You, you gotta, you gotta bring something to the table though. You know what I mean? Like otherwise you're getting cluster B, you know, yes. if you're just going to go into that group with the intent of taking, I think it's not good. So that's why I think the alone time is essential. Um, I'm reminded of Joseph Campbell talking about the belly of the beast. We've all got to do it. We've all got to go into the belly of our, you know, the belly of the beast. So I think it's important to be collaborative, but also to balance that with doing one's own thing. I'm not into groups for the sake of groups. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I you know, people on Quora do approach me and I rebuff them because it just, it just messes with my head. I would, you know, I want to do my thing. And then I I would like to sometimes, like with yourself, you know, you've you've put forth effort, you've written something, you know, you know, you're on Medium, you're writing, you're writing polished articles, you've started a podcast, and for that reason, I'm talking with you. You know what I mean? Like, not totally transactional, but to some extent, it is. You've been respectful to me always. Um, You know what I mean? So I think this is a person I can deal with. this is someone i can deal with we will have good transactions we can learn from each other
0: we can learn from each other and uh, give each other something to chew on
1: yes i want
0: to understand
1: yeah but you you have gone by yourself and and you know you've faced the pain and the fear and the frustration and the humiliation of being alone and going how do i do this i don't know how to do this how do i do this yes and so i have respect for you And I think, this is a person I can deal with. They're not going to try and take from me, you know. They're going to try and deal with me. And I feel respected that we can have an exchange of goods and services and goodwill. And neither of us is going to fleece the other. Although I must say that I'm being Cluster B. You did say half an hour and I'm pushing the boundary (laughs) because I'm a Cluster B.
0: I I I it'll I thought it be. was well worth it to go a little bit over so I will I will <laughs> okay. spoil, I will put the pieces together there may be a little hiccup in the middle around the 30 mark. minute mark where we lose a sentence or two but it will work yep. and I think we have a lot of uh, great things we have talked about And um, I'm excited for whatever continued projects or things that we can work on together. I would love to have another conversation with you here. Um, I think that people like to entertain new ideas and new ways of thinking about things because what's happening right now all around us demands that. And
1: um, I think so, so, but I would also like to put a plug out for not networking. I'm a big fan of not networking. I'm a big fan um big fan of david goggins and i think to some extent people need to get out there and do it like you have yes. they need to get out there and do it you know what i mean like that's the biggest problem with cluster b and the codependent is they essentially want to find somebody that they can look into their eyes 24 7 and uh unconditional love will radiate back and forward like some kind of benevolent, <laughs> benevolent plan. Yes. A couple of benevolent hot plants. That's not life. We've got to go out there and be alone sometimes. And I think, so I think that both of them are important. Not in some arbitrary 50-50 mix, but whatever it is to you. You know, whatever suits you. Some of us work with people, others don't. But I think that, yeah, I think, you know, we need to be alone and then we come together. It should not be all alone. That's a bit boring. But all together, I think you just end up in power struggles. That's all. It just ends up in a power struggle. Yes. So it's good to keep it. I feel like it's good to keep, you know. It's good to keep it in a sort of a transactional nature. Dare I use the word? And I will. Um, mm-hmm. You know, keep it at fair dealings. We might call it not transactions, but we've got to deal fairly with each other. And I think, you know, So that's really, if I can leave a last word to everyone, I just suggest, and I often say it, it seems a bit tongue-in-cheek or a bit cruel, but I say get a hobby. Get a hobby, you know, your narcissist this, your narcissist that. How about you get a hobby? So you've got something else to think about. Yes. So that you're not sitting there ruminating, creating ruts in your brain about the narcissist. At least have something to triangulate them with, even if it's stamp collecting. Not that anyone <laughs> sends them anymore. That's gonna make it harder for you. So that's probably good. So I just suggest to everyone, if I'm allowed to have a little plug here, it's just get a hobby. Get something else to think about. The narcissist is brain damaged. They are brain damaged. There's nothing you can do except hurt yourself. So, if I can leave you with some last, that's the wisest.
0: Words. Yes, that's the wisest thing you could possibly say about you know you're trying to do something with a person that is brain damaged. So you have to get something else. Yep. And you know, yep. right now, considering everything that's going on, I might say in closing that uh apocalypse garden sounds like a really good idea for for people to think
1: about have an apocalypse i don't know an apocalypse tomato plant and a pot plant in your little apartment if you (laughs) live in you know somewhere in the 50th floor or the 58th floor and somewhere in new york you can do it everyone can do it everyone can have an apocalypse garden or garden lit and i think the hobby should be not ruminating on one's narcissist solely sure learn about narcissism learn about mpd i have another hobby that's not narcissism related something Mm -hmm. you can lose yourself particularly in nature or with objects i think it's lovely to play with objects you know get into gravity nature mediums you know wood textiles whatever it is get a hobby people get a hobby empaths (laughs) get a hobby
0: okay well thank you robert torbay for a wonderful conversation. It went very quickly and I I hope we have given people something to think about besides their narcissist. And I look forward to speaking to you again.
1: Yes. And it's not their narcissist. All of your narcissists belong to me. I could walk right in there and take them right off you. I'll snatch (laughs) them. I'll snatch easy. So easy. Yes. So easy.
0: There's so much truth in that. All right. Well thank you, Robert, and we will talk again soon.
1: Thank you. I enjoyed this.